Good morning, good evening, and good afternoon. Welcome to the next episode of Tag Talks, a series where myself, Matt Welton, and fellow food lovers, guests from the food production industry, explore their favourite hypothetical meals. This week, I'm joined by my wibbly-wobbly cooking man, Ollie Black, another MDS trainee who whips up our guests' food in his COVID-free, socially distant magic kitchen, where he can produce food from all over the world and from any point in time. He is taught like Doctor Who, but he doesn't have a TARDIS and he focuses more on cooking and he also has an apprenticeship college award, which Doctor Who does not. For those who don't know me, I'm a food lover who is almost influenced by anything. So much so I once saw Bob Mortimer rip an apple in half on TV with his bare hands, so I spent three weeks trying to do this. Safe to say my mother was not happy with this. Anyway, enough of me. Ollie would like to introduce himself in this episode. Hello, I'm Ollie Black. I'm in MDS Group 45. And one of my earliest memories is eating ladybugs at the beach. So I've been involved with oak cuisine since day one. <laughs> so with the pleasantries done, we'll get the pans hot, the freezer cold, and make sure my good friend Little Lolly Black has the, his Winnie the Pooh apron on and we're ready to begin. This week, we've had the pleasure of welcoming Arna Pingle, the global product lead for biostimulants from Syngenta on the podcast. However, before we introduce him, he doesn't know that there is a mystery ingredient. This week's ingredient is Worcestershire sauce. Ollie, why have we chosen this? We've chosen Worcestershire sauce because Lee and Perrin are thieves. They've stole the original recipe from the Southwest most famous family, the Twin Barrow family of which we have Harry Twinbarrow in Group 45 as a direct descendant. Harry's never given this up. He's always keen to portray his hatred of Lee and Perrins, so they will never be stocked in our restaurant. And we don't like this at all, do we, Ollie? <laughs> we hate it. We do hate it. So if Arna does choose this ingredient, the same rules apply to him as everyone else. Boom, they're off the show. So far as so far, we're all good and no one's been kicked off yet. But let's hope he doesn't mention this or this will be a very short series. Good evening, Arna. Thank you for joining us. Good evening. How are you doing on this fine evening, Arna? Oh, it's Monday, almost over. So I'm doing better than this morning. Good. good. Uh, would you like to introduce just yourself for the context of this? Sure, I can do that. <clears throat> um, my name is Arne Pingel. I'm German by trade, but have lived uh, well almost half of my life in Asia, in different countries, China, Japan, in the Middle East. I'm married to an Asian. Um, what we have in common is we love food. And professionally, in order to... Uh, to finance my food life. I'm working for Syngenta and I'm responsible in the global marketing for the product groups of biostimulants. So I'm trying to control the uncontrollable, the impact of weather, heat, cold, drought stress, nutrient use efficiency, and so on. And in that capacity, you both had the pleasure to be my trainees, Oli in the past and Matt, you right now. And, and I don't think we're going to ask who's the better one yet. I think we've still got a bit of time to prove on that one. <laughs> I'm still waiting for the best. <laughs> still waiting for the best. Ollie, any input on that? Well, I think you're, you're well qualified to give us some stimulating conversation tonight. <laughs> exactly. So let's just dive in then a bit. So before actually we start at MDS, we go through many interviews and we haven't. In so I've basically, on what I've got is an interview question for you to just t test, to warm you up before we start this. And uh, if that's all right with you. 
Well, just keep in mind that um, you are still working for me and that your uh, grading is still coming up, right? So the next okay. review, we will reflect whatever is happening tonight. <laughs> I'll take that as a yes then. <laughs> but this week's question is, you've been given an elephant, you can't give it away or sell it. What would you do with this elephant? <laughs> Train it to steal food for me. <laughs> I mean that's fair play. <laughs> so the reason that um, the reason that people ask these questions at interviews sometimes is usually to sh see how a candidate can think and how they can prioritize and problem solve, as well as loosening them up a bit. So hopefully that has loosened you up a bit for this podcast of Tag Talks. I think you're the first one who thinks I need to loosen up. <laughs> <laughs> oh God. <laughs> Well, anyway, with that, I think uh, we're going to start and we're going to open up the restaurant. So we've just welcomed you in. And the first thing we're going to ask you is, do you want still or sparkling water? Well, as a true blue German, there's only one right answer to that question. Sparkling. Sparkling? Of course. Well, is, that, is that something big in Germany then? Yeah, I think Germany has the highest consumption in the world of sparkling water. I, I hardly see it outside, maybe a little bit in France with their Perrier brand, but otherwise sparkling is the way Germany shines in, when it comes to water. Do you not find it just fills you up too much though? I always find the bubbles are way too much for a start of a meal. Well, bubbles might fill you up, but uh, <laughs> when they come in water, not me, no. I'm a big man these days. All this uh, working from home has got me getting a bit bigger. So just so I can get the right sparkling water, what's the best choice? What's the gourmet sparkling water? Is it a Perrier? In the time, in the time of um, climate change, I would always go with a local brand. Really? Very sensible. Is there a, a favourite place that you've had this sparkling water by any chance? I was about to say out of the belly button of my wife when we were younger, but um, no, sitting in front of a Zoom meeting with you, maybe. That's my favorite spot. Perfect. I think, Ollie, maybe on that note, I think it's time to bring out the next course. Ding, 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 ding. It is starter time, Orna. Mm -hmm. Now, what are you having for starter? We have got two choices on the menu, bread or poppadoms. What are you going for? <clears throat> yeah, that's that, that's a difficult question. Is it what time of the day is it, and what's the location of the restaurant? This what, is your what, imaginary what? restaurant. So why don't you describe this location? Have you got a sunset in the background, <laughs> or is it a breakfast thing? I don't know. You can do whatever you want. It's your yeah, that's a question. Is it the, is it the evening before or the morning after? Um, I think when I sit down at a restaurant, I'd, I'd have bread with uh, uh, with a water. Of course, you haven't asked me for any anything real to drink, but um, yeah, I, I would go with the water, uh, bread with the water. The bread. What sort of bread are we thinking on this one? Not too dry, warm. Little rolls, if possible. Yeah. Um, different cereals. 
and a nice uh, aioli with it. That would be good. Oh, or herby butter. So you're not a balsamic vinegar and olive oil kind of guy? Not for the bread. If it's real good olive oil, maybe yes. But but usually I prefer something that's spreadable. Or even some, some gourmet Italian olive oil hand delivered to your desk? <laughs> no, I'd rather have it delivered in a bottle than by hand. I'm just saying, because Ollie, Ollie can literally produce anything that you want here yeah. at the moment. I can make your wildest dreams come true. <laughs> Ollie, I'm, I'm really sorry. I really liked you as a trainee, but I don't think you will play a role in my wildest dreams. <laughs> Especially not with olive oil. <laughs> it's in the name, so you know. Olive I'm, I'm oil, yes, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> olive, olive oil. Oh, God. I mean, I've never heard of aioli with bread, though. I thought aioli was more of like with a calamari sort of thing. Calamari. We were with bread, and you asked me what I want with my bread, so now you're doubting my choice. What's that? <laughs> no, no, it's your, it's your restaurant. I'm just, uh, I'm just here to question it, really. <laughs> <laughs> I can agree with you on that one. But um, I think on that note, I think we're going to move on to um, your starter now. So... Anna, what would you like for your starter at this restaurant? That's difficult. Um, <clears throat> I'm I'm between a really good beef tartare, a bit spicy, uh, nice chili, Tabasco, good portion of pepper with it, and raw egg. Or when I look outside right now, and it's... Well, it just stopped snowing, so it's freaking cold here. I was wondering if maybe a hot wonton soup might be better fitting. So, two choices. Yeah. I might go with, uh, depending on what's coming up for the main dish, um, but that's the two choices I would need to decide in between. Well, I am magic, but I've only got two hands, so you, I'm going to need to make you make a difficult decision here, Arna. I mean, Ollie, do you reckon you can produce two? I don't know. Have you got the ingredients stocked? I, I mean, I could, but I don't think the beef tartare floating in the wonton soup is going to be particularly appetizing. <laughs> no, I would agree with that one. No, you, you would need to to put the beef tartare first, wrap it up into the wonton. Um, okay, if I have to make a decision, again, cold outside, um, I'm going with the wonton soup. Excellent choice, sir. <laughs> I'm sure Ollie will whip that up straight away. Is there uh, any particular hot hot wonton soup that you've had before that you're uh, that, that that is like a nostalgic one that you might go for? That's I had so many wonton soups in my life, but um, I think one of the most interesting one was actually in China traveling. Um, upcountry that's 20 years ago for you guys so you were you were still could could you walk already at that time maybe just right <laughs> um, a bit more than 20 years ago <clears throat> at a time where there were more bicycles in Beijing than cars uh, and now you have to really look hunt for the bicycles mm. um, we were somewhere in a super small village um, coming from a field visit 
and the 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 restaurant was already closed actually because we were a little bit late and we had to wait outside um, while one of the colleagues the chinese colleagues was looking for the owner of a restaurant trying to open it up so that we can go in and, and get something to eat and while we were waiting half of the village was collecting outside even the local tv station came because they have never seen any foreigners um, uh, for keeping their distance respectfully but were very curious about us and when we were sitting inside um, and slurping the the soup the wonton soup out of a one big pot in the middle of the table six people sitting around that pot still half of the village were outside checking if we also could eat obviously we could and mm -hmm. then the 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 dot on the eye was actually i'm not lying here not making that up there was a there was a fly in the restaurant and flying through the steam of the soup and obviously that was so oily that the um, fly instantly died and dropped down into the soup and nobody <laughs> took care of that everybody was just keep on keeping on eating the soup out of the big pot with a fly somewhere swimming in the soup around it's always, but, the literal, uh, it's always the literal reasoning of wait to wait there's a fly in my soup sort of thing. Yeah, we, we, we were looking at each other. It, it was um, Jürgen, uh, my, my local colleague there, so also a German one who was based in, in China and with whom I was traveling. And we were looking at each other and we were agreeing and saying, if we won't get sick now, we will never get sick for the rest of our lives. <laughs> Did Obviously, you find I'm still surviving. <laughs> Did you find when you went to China? So my friend said that when he went there, he um, he's this like probably six foot white white guy, and literally everybody was just trying to take photos with him, thinking he was a celebrity. They had no idea about like they, they you know, he's just so he stuck out like a sore thumb. That <clears throat> yes, yeah, I had that in 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 China. As I said, even the local TV station came and wanted to get interviews done with us. Um, later on, a couple of years later, I lived in Japan, and there, there it was also the same that uh, people were were coming close. And I'm blonde, um, so they've they've never seen blonde people, uh, especially that that was quite funny. Um, little, little did they know they were interviewing the next EBIC vice president. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, <laughs> I've got your cauldron of wonton soup here with flies floating in it. Uh, it's, a, it's a very bold choice with, with the infamy of bat soup in the past year. But I, but I hope you enjoy your starter. Now, I've got a fact for you. There's 9 million bicycles in Beijing. That's just a, a fact. It's a thing. And why don't you tell us an interesting fact about yourself? That I never rode a bicycle in Beijing. <laughs> you must have been one of the only ones. <laughs> How many bicycles did you say, Oli? Nine million bicycles. Oh. Still, I think that's a bit too many. How many people live in, in Beijing? Fifteen? Nine okay. million bicycles? Hmm. Probably more these days. I think they, they, they've moved on the new bicycle in, in China is actually this electric scooter. Uh, they they <clears throat> had a period where they were all running on this two-cycle uh, scooter weed pot pots. You know what a weed pot pot is? I have no, no idea. 
No, that's, that's, that's um, uh, two wheels, person people, uh, in the middle, and when they accelerate, the engine goes, so is it sort of like a tuk-tuk sort of thing? So so to speak, but only with two wheels. And and because <laughs> yeah. then the, the air quality was so bad in Beijing, they banned these two cycle engines from the streets and now they are on electric scooters on the road, which are hell dangerous because you, you can't hear them coming. Suddenly somebody is driving very close past you and, and you really get shocked by it. Um, just because you can't hear them anymore. <laughs> so, ironically, it's become safer because it's actually not safer. <laughs> well, at least you won't kill the masses anymore. It's just a crash one-on-one when they run into you. <laughs> Has that happened before? More than once, yeah. <laughs> well, I, I think Ollie's been in the back of the kitchen, actually. He's starting to prepare. I mean, he, he started to do a bit of the washing up, actually, while we while we were in that segment. Uh, so we're actually moving on now, and we just wanted to know, uh, what main course would you like with this meal? Because you've got the wonton soup, so how are you going to follow from there? So, <clears throat> again, with the weather outside, I, I would have loved a, a hot soup, like a laksa or, or a ramen. Um, I would have even gone for a for a mohinga, even though that's more a breakfast than, than a dinner style. But since I had the hot soup already, um, and I'm a little bit now in the Asian mood, I go with a Beijing duck. Um, I love Beijing duck, and I want to see how Ollie is cutting up the crispy Beijing duck with a hundred cuts into the right slices, into the right portion, so that you can eat it with your chopsticks. Uh, I've seen that before, to be fair. <laughs> it's my specialty. They call me Hannibal Lecter in the kitchen. Uh, I'm going to be <laughs> slicing and dicing that up super fine. And so what, what sauce are you, you having with your, your Peking duck? Fun, fun fact, Hannibal Lecter. I think the movie came out 30 years ago this month. God, looks like seven years older than me. <laughs> Oh. And so this Beijing Beijing duck always makes me smile. We we loved Beijing duck, my wife and me, so much that we once tried to make it at home by ourselves. And um, um, <clears throat> we we were standing in the kitchen in in Cyprus. That happened. We were living in Cyprus at that time. We were really really uh, craving for a Beijing duck. So we we were. Uh, asking the local butcher to organize a duck for us, which we finally could get. And um, the 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 secret with a with a Beijing duck is that it's very crispy on the outside. The skin gets crispy, but the the meat underneath is still super soft and 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 really juicy, very nice. So what you have to do is you you have to create a layer of air between the skin and the meat. And mm. um, in order to, to get the air in, you we used a bicycle pump. So we were standing in the kitchen with a, one was holding the, the big duck, another one was pushing up the bicycle pump with a, with a pin needle um, into the duck. 
trying <laughs> to hit the spot between the skin and the uh, the meat and was pumping air in there, which took us roughly 20 minutes until we got the hang of it. And then so that the air doesn't come out again, you need to pour very hot uh, like 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 a soup, like an oily soup over it, which closes then the pores and the air gets trapped in between. And uh, while my wife was holding the, the duck and I was pumping it up, then we moved over to the sink to pour this hot uh, soup over, over the duck to close the pores. And of course, um, I didn't only hit the, the duck, but I also <laughs> hit my, my wife a little bit, her fingers with the soup, so she, she got burned as well, which didn't really make her happy. But I have to say, the duck that was one of the best ducks, Beijing ducks that we ever had, made in Cyprus. <laughs> well, it seems we have a running theme of bikes in this uh, in this podcast today. But also, is, Peak, is this the same as Peking duck, but just specifically from Beijing then, or is this? Well... The Beijing is the same as Peking. Yeah. Depending oh, on I, which which language and which time you're talking about. I have to, I have to say that sort of appeals to me, but I don't know about you, Oli. But I'm I, when I was young, I used to always when I have Chinese food um, in Kenya, they always used to put MSG in it, and mm. I'm like really allergic to MSG. So I anytime need my MSG fix. Come on. <laughs> the, the thing is, it tastes it tastes friggin' great, great. But the problem is, it um it literally like makes me have this massive migraine, and it just it's like it's like having a hangover from food. <laughs> it's horrible. It's an interesting ah, that's, one. That's where the where the hangover is coming from. Okay, <laughs> I always thought it's the alcohol. Yeah, I mean, uh, luckily when I was this is when I was young when I was nine. So I mean, I like to think I wasn't drinking then, but. <laughs> No, actually, I, I thought it's a leather allergy. When, yeah. when I wake up after a good meal, when I wake up in the morning and I'm still wearing my shoes with a leather sole, I have a headache. And I, I, I thought it's coming from the leather sole of the shoes. I don't know, really, actually. Ollie, you got any... Uh, well, I think we're, we're, we've got an Asian cuisine theme going here, so we're, we're definitely going to have our shoes off, maybe our sandals on, our flip-flops. I mean... I- I think Ollie's going to be introduced in the next segment, but is there some sake going to come in here? Because so, I know you did live a bit in Japan for a bit, Arna. Yeah. So Arna, um, what's, what's your drink of choice, your alcoholic tipple, while we're devouring this delicious duck? While we're, okay, while we're eating the duck, I would prefer actually a good red wine from... Australia or Chile, something heavy, spicy that's that can match the duck. Yeah, are you? Are you some internationality in here? You know, it's uh, Mm. not just going with what you expect. Asian fusion? No, we've got to. I can rustle that up easily. So, talk to me about red wine. What is your absolute favorite? Honestly speaking, I always have forgotten the next day what I drank the evening before. So, <laughs> as long as it's red, as long as it's heavy. Uh, I, I, remember, uh, I remember we had a chat a while ago about like, uh, was it the west coast of America? You said you had some of the best red wine you had. 
it was a wine from from Washington State. Yeah, indeed, uh, which I enjoyed in a Cajun restaurant in Tokyo. Uh, our most favorite restaurant in in Tokyo, which has closed down unfortunately, was Bourbon Street. The owner mm. moved to India, so if you're ever going to India to Goa, let me know. I can I can get you in contact with Sohan, uh, or search on Facebook for Bourbon Street Cafe, and the chef is Sohan. Give him my regards, <clears throat> and he he cooks uh, a super mean jambalaya that is mm. so nice and full of flavors that um, you can't stop eating. And second, the, the spiciness, the level of spiciness is that it tickles your tongue. You can still taste all the different ingredients in the jambalaya, yet your scalp will sweat like hell. That's <laughs> the don't... right portion. And he, uh... Sohan, he usually knew that uh, don't come here with, with American wines. I don't like them. We were always going for chili or... or um, Australian Shiraz and then he came and said Arne you trust me okay don't say anything I pour you a glass of wine if you like it you can keep the bottle if you don't like it then I take the bottle away and that was um, uh, Shiraz from Washington State um, very similar growing conditions like the Bordeaux area in France actually the label was three-legged dog, and indeed it was was a winery that um, uh, fostered a dog that lost one leg. So the a picture of the dog was on the label, and that was a super nice wine that I'm trying to to get uh, since then. But I only got it in in Japan. There was a special importer uh, for American wine. Otherwise, I couldn't get it anywhere in the world. Really, really nice. So, so you got the red wine. I mean, we can bend the rules again, but would you like any after another drink, maybe after the meal as well? Is that a good question? Of course. Of course. Maybe a fine whiskey or, uh, I don't know, <laughs> what would you like? Actually, after a good, heavy meal, there's only one thing that I need, which is a schnapps. Schnapps, very German. Good German spirit, um, maybe cherry or Williams. Um, that's something after the meal for digestion. Um, I would guess your next question is what's for dessert and usually my answer would be I don't have dessert I rather have a third helping of the main <laughs> um, alternatively the only only thing that could turn me around is if there is a haggis available for dessert small portion of haggis and then I take a whiskey um, and my choice of whiskey would be to pair with a haggis and Nika coffee grain because usually I'm not the big whiskey drinker but that, that would be something I could imagine would go very well with the haggis if you, I mean if you're going for whiskey would you go for Scottish whiskey because I, I, I'm an Irish whiskey fan myself Ollie, Ollie you, 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 do you have any input on this you're Northern Irish so you have a 
you surely have a bit of a thing with the uh, whiskeys. Yeah, it's. Well, no, I think Irish whiskey is is a, just a, quite a little bit nicer than the Scottish whiskey. Scottish whiskey is all a little bit peaty. They're all just a bit depressing uh, up in the Highlands, and it just rains all the time, and you can just taste it from the whiskey they make. But in Ireland, it's it's also rainy, but you've got a pot of gold at the end of the rainbow, and you get some golden Jamesons or some Bushmills. Jamesons would be my tipple of choice, but I want to come back to haggis for dessert. What is the origin and story behind that? That is bizarre and preposterous. I, I've never heard that in my 26 years of existence. What, having a haggis for dessert, a small haggis one? Haggis for dessert, portion? yeah. I love that. Um, um, my One of my best friends married a Scottish girl. And uh, I, I agree with you. For me, the Scottish whiskies are a little bit too peaty. Um, and I have to say now, of course, that Jameson is the whiskey to go, which was also the not only the bottle that you gave to me when you left um, Syngenta after your traineeship, Oliver. It was a Jameson. But also the whiskey, my first whiskey that I drank, actually, um, when I was younger. And the, the only whiskey that I liked because it was a little bit softer, a little bit rounder. But coming back to the haggis, so <clears throat> the the wedding, of course, uh, took place at a place close to Loch Ness in Scotland. And that was the time, it, I just looked at the pictures, funny enough, an hour ago, 2016, they married. And um, that was... A great place and the first time when I had a haggis and it was so good that we we had one we had one in the morning obviously it was a leftover from the day before I was told we had then a little bit of haggis for lunch because we could convince the cook where we are here only for three days we need to eat as much haggis as possible <laughs> And then when the festive dinner was over, I sneaked into the kitchen. I said, do you still have some haggis over? And he was smiling and he gave my friend and me another small portion of haggis for dessert. And since then, haggis it is. <laughs> I hope they were free range haggis and you were you were sourcing them sustainably. You know, they, they are an endangered species. You don't want to be eating too many of them. It's really making me sad to hear that it's an endangered species, yes. I mean, I, I, had, I, I had the the last time I was visiting them uh, three years, four years ago, was we had actually a haggis cake in the afternoon. <laughs> haggis cake. Now, is that going to be your dessert of choice tonight, the haggis cake? <laughs> No, 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 no. I'm not. I'm not the sweet one for dessert. As I said, either a third helping for the main dish, or if that's not possible, then a small portion of haggis. Uh, are we haggis solo? Are you going to have some neeps and taddies at the same time? No, just straight. Just straight. <laughs> I feel like we need to quickly put a disclaimer to not hopefully we haven't offended any uh, Scottish people in this video from the I mean this podcast sorry from uh, the Scottish whiskey comments because <laughs> I don't know who's listening to this one at the moment but haggis for we're dessert only, we are only talking in the highest tones about Scottish 
I mean, we have we have said you're having haggis for dessert, which I think a lot of people probably wouldn't have. Maybe even a lot of Scottish people wouldn't have. So, to be honest, they want a good one with that. Well, I love it so much that I want it for dessert. That's good. <laughs> we've sort so we've sort of gone for sort of an Asian Scottish cuisine for this, but actually, would say the theme's gone along. Very fusion. So let's go over your menu, Orna. To start, we had some sparkling water, locally sourced and sustainable. Ethical bubbles, if you would. We then follow <laughs> that up with a nice cauldron of piping hot wonton soup. There might be a fly oh, in it. Oh, the bread with the aioli. <laughs> of course. How could I forget the bread with the aioli? That's that's what's kicked off this whole. <laughs> exactly, and then we we've had our cauldron of wonton soup. We have then followed that up with. Our main course of our Beijing duck, nice and crispy, inflated, extra, extra, with (laughs) some hot soup to scald myself in the kitchen to get that exquisite taste. We've then followed with a nice red wine. And I know our red wine is going to pair our duck nicely. I know our duck isn't spicy, but we'll we'll make sure it's a nice wine from Chile to counterbalance that. We're then following that up with some nice schnapps, cherry schnapps. And finally, a serving of haggis for you, Arna. That would be super good. Does that, does that sound appetizing tonight for you then? Um yeah. <laughs> yeah. Anything you change? Anything can, you change? Can, can you deliver? Get it delivered by by uh, delivery heroes? Maybe you in half an hour. So Ollie's well, actually already. We've uh, smuggled it. We're actually get. We're, we've actually got him in a DHL DHL package. We're actually smuggling him across the border with it. Actually now. Yeah. So I'm on a lime scooter currently, zooming my way through the streets of Basel, on my way to your flat, Orna, ready to drop it off. Good. That just, uh, he actually wasn't working tonight. He's actually just uh, that's why it wasn't late. He's actually just getting the getting the ferry across to France and getting his scooter across. So, <laughs> uh, you you don't know Ollie. He was swimming in the morning over the River Rhine to get to the office. <laughs> you do know there's a bridge, Ollie. I hadn't noticed bridge. it. This <laughs> <clears throat> is in a Northern Irish. You have to challenge himself a bit. You gotta, you gotta prove yourself being from the inferior Ireland. Well, excuse me, was it to me? Whatever <laughs> <laughs> what you say, Golly. I said bon appetit, Orna. Thank you very yeah. much, and so the guess, same to you guys. Perfect. Thank enjoy you. your burnt pizza. <laughs> will do so uh, I'd just like to say thank you Arna for coming on this uh, series we've really enjoyed having you on I think we've uh, we, we've had sort of an Asian fusion sort of menu and it looks actually very appetising I think I would myself so um, thank you for joining us and hopefully well I'll see you in the office soon <laughs> and then, <laughs> be well, careful what you wish for <laughs> <laughs> I'll see you in the next Zoom call <laughs> ciao ciao well, ciao Good. ciao thank you. Thanks right. for inviting me. Thanks for having me. <laughs> no worries at all. Right.